0: The volume. The sessions is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. They're America's number one sportsbook for a reason, y'all. It's so easy to use, it's safe and secure. That's one of the main things for me. I don't want any BS. I love that there's no BS with FanDuel. Plus, you get your winnings fast. Now, winnings are delivered in as quick as two hours. Plus, It's super fun to combine multiple bets from the same game into a same game parlay. It's awesome. So if you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with the promo code Renee. that's R-E-N-E-E, so they know that I sent you. Disclaimer, 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, Wyoming, or West Virginia. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1 789 or visit ccpgorg chat for Connecticut, 1 800 gambler, or visit slash rg for Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Virginia, 1 770 stop for Louisiana, 1 800 270 for confidential help in Michigan, 1 877 8 hope ny, or text hope ny for New York, Tennessee redline, 1 800 889 9789. And one 800 for Wyoming. Visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. It is the bad boy, Joey Janela Day, here on The Sessions. This was actually like a long time coming, I feel. It's funny, we like hopped on, he's like, uh, finally we're doing this. Getting this man's backstory on where he comes from, what he is doing dealing with internet trolls who isn't dealing with an internet troll these days good lord when is that gonna go away that must go away at some point right are we just in the weeds with it because i feel like maybe we're getting better as we're realizing like hey let's not all be shitty people and maybe let's be nice to each other and oh my god people actually have feelings so let's not destroy them you think that then you constantly see these twitter eggs are we still using twitter eggs are we just using wrestler avatar profiles I don't know. It's just, it's crazy to me this day and age that we're even still talking about like the nonsense that happens on social media. Let's be better, people. Let's be better. We can be better. We want better. We deserve better. Joey Janella deserves better. Um. Anyways, yeah, we just talk about how his body is doing, how he's feeling. This was also prior to him getting this like gnarly black eye goose egg situation that he currently has if you're following him on um, Twitter or Instagram. His face is like blown up. It was not like that when we did this interview. Um, So blessings to the bruisings. Maybe throw a a steak on there, a rare steak, a banana peel. Is that what you're supposed to do with bruises? You think that I would be a pro at knowing what to do with a, a lump and a bump around here. But it looks cool and it's a good story, right? It's what we're all here for, storytelling. Um all right guys, let's get into it. This is Joey Janella. I didn't know that you were an action figure collector.
1: Yeah, I uh I have a lot of action figures. I blew a lot of my AEW money on action figures. So, if I ever become homeless, I I do have like a savings account in this room right here that I can probably last another six months on earth with.
0: That's like the Zack Ryder, sorry, Matt Cardona, old habits die hard, don't they? Um, That's like the Matt Cardona system of life, right? He's got like all of his action figures. He sells them off. He makes a pretty penny off them. It was one of those things I think everyone always kind of made fun of him for. And then when I had him on this show and I was talking to him about it, I was like, oh shit, you actually like – He invests and he sells them and he's like, he runs like a side hustle with it. It's amazing.
1: It's also because of him and his podcast that these figures are going for so much these days. So I have to credit him for uh, wasting a ton of my uh, money.
0: You've got to spend your money somewhere, right? You can't take it to the grave with you. You might as well spend it on shit that you like.
1: Spend it now on toys. Make more later. That's my, my place. Oh, there we go.
0: (laughs) We were just talking before we started the record about like how everyone, like when you're trying to like set up the Zoom calls and like finding the things to balance your camera on if you're on your phone or your laptop, trying to get like the eye line, it can all be a shit show. What are you balancing on right now? A glass of water and a Terry Funk figure?
1: Yeah, a small, like a small like cocktail glass and uh mint on card terry funk action figure is like the the back piece of this uh, this setup.
0: Um, okay, so I've noticed that yes, you have action figures behind you. You're a collector. Another thing I've noticed since we've jumped on this call is, dare I say, you're getting more jacked. Are you stronger? You look very strong right now.
1: Very strong. I've been uh, I've I've been flaunting it around the independence in the last couple of months. I've been breaking suplex world records all over the world. Take that, Taz. Yeah, I think it's just a position I'm in right now because I don't want to give you guys a nice crotch shot. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm kind of hunched over, but I'm kind of, I'm kind of digging this right now because it kind of does make me look pretty jacked up.
0: You look huge. Yeah. You look like very shredded though. I will also like pair this with the fact that I was um, doing my due diligence as a, a journalist and flipping through your Instagram. And I saw a picture of you under like the arches in um, St. Louis also shredded, like have like a, you had like an app situation happening. Are you a body guy?
1: No, no, I'm not a body guy. I, I still, I still drink a lot of beer. I still have a bit of a belly. It depends. I guess some days it depends what I eat before, and it depends on the bloat because once I get bloated, I'm kind of screwed. But Nick Gage was claiming that in that picture, I photoshopped my abs on. That's what Nick Gage <laughs> claims. He goes, What's, he says, "What is that? What's going on here?" He goes, "You photoshopped these abs on." I go, "No, man. I, I showed him the, I showed him the, uh, the, the round of." pictures and uh he's like all right whatever man but i think he still thinks i photoshop my ads on
0: sometimes it's a good day you get the good lighting um sometimes if you i would say like often if you've had some cocktails the night before and you're like a little dehydrated the bod can look great the next day
1: that's really the secret right there i think it's (laughs) a it is. i
0: know it really
1: is i think the night before we drank quite a lot so uh yeah, I noticed that. I, I think I, I definitely, when I'm dehydrated from a night of drinking, I definitely look more, more lean, but not a complete body guy, not yet.
0: But from here, it looks like it. So, I, you know, I'll give credit where I see that credit is due. And you look great. You've got the action figures. Everything is going great with Joey Janela. Um, it does feel that way. I feel like since, I mean, always had like this cool buzz around you, but I feel like since your time. Now, away from AEW, you really have your career in your own hands. What's, like, the business model to getting, like... Not that you ever weren't doing that hustle, because I know you were always still doing other indie shows and whatnot while you were with AEW. But now, what's it like being back in, like, that regular grind?
1: Uh, At first, it was kind of uh, difficult to get back into that. Because when I was in AEW, I was doing independent bookings, but I was really only doing GCW on Saturdays. Now, with my extensive... ADD. Probably, you know, doctors said I, had, I was one of the worst cases when I was a child. It's very hard to keep track of dates and getting back to that where I was in 2017, 2018, 2019, just being unorganized. But I'm really grasping it this time. And um, my goal is just to make as much money as I was in AEW. But the thing is, you have to work twice as hard because you're not working once a week to make that money. And I'm not charging promoters an arm and a leg to do their shows. That's why promoters love me. Uh, a lot of people, they would leave AEW and they would be charging a ton of money for appearances, a ton of money to wrestle. I just love professional wrestling. So what I'm doing is I'm just trying to get as much bookings as I can. And of course, I'm, my body is rocked and socked from all the craziness I've been doing and all the travel, but it's worth it. I've always loved traveling the world. I've always loved meeting fans all over the place. And when you get to do that three, four times a week, it's it's everything I always wanted
0: obviously you get like an adrenaline boost from going out there wrestling, doing the matches that you love to do, meeting the fans, getting to do your own thing. But as you just said, your body is beat up. Where do you kind of find the balance on taking care of your body versus like going out and doing all of these bookings and stuff? Like how does that work for you? I always talk to John about this and I feel like you, you guys are obviously very much so cut from the same cloth.
1: When I was at AEW, we, we, you know, of course, we have the doctors in the back. We have the massage therapist. We have, you know, we have everything at, at our hands. Uh, so when I was beat up during my AW run, I would just put my name on a piece of paper, walk into an office and I would have all the resources right there to make me feel better. Now I did a couple months with the shows and I realized, man, I'm beat up. I had a match with super crazy in Vegas. Uh, it was all out weekend. Uh, that was my, I believe that was my second match. Of that weekend. And I really couldn't get through the match. I got through it, but I have a a sacrum problem where that pops out of place and then it's hard to walk. It's hard to stand up. So I had to show the next day. I go to myself, I go, if I don't do something about this, I'm not going to be able to wrestle tonight. So someone told me something about the joint chiropractor. It's like a chain chiropractor.
0: Oh yeah. I've, I've seen that.
1: Yeah. 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 You pay, you pay 80 bucks a month. You walk in for five minutes and they adjust you. You tell them what's wrong and they just pop you back in the place. And I think that's helped me a lot.
0: 80 bucks a month. That's amazing.
1: You get four adjustments once a week. They're all over the country. Basically every major city we run in, I can just go on Google and type in the joint. There's one within 20 minutes. So I think it's like if you're, especially if you're an independent wrestler, you don't have health insurance. There's something you got to you know, take into account. $80 a month isn't, isn't anything crazy. And I, it gets me through my three bookings a week. So I appreciate that.
0: So at what point do you, um, strike the balance between like changing up some of your style to help your body, to, to have a little bit more longevity with your career? Is it Obviously, it's hard to do that. You're People expect a certain thing from you versus what your body is telling you what to do. What's like that internal conversation?
1: I think I've only gotten crazier, to be honest.
0: I know. Like you're like, yeah, like red flag. We got to slow it down or change something up.
1: Yeah. Brett Lauderdale, he's like, you shouldn't be doing what you're doing every show everywhere. And I go, I don't know. That's just what I do now. I, I, I don't know why I do it. Sometimes in my mind, I'm just like, all right, I'm going to take it easy this weekend. And then we get to the show and I don't take it easy. Is it the
0: crowd? Is it the expectation? Is it that that's just what you do? Like what, what kind of leans into that when you have it in your mind that you might kind of pump the brakes
1: a little bit and take it a bit easy in a match?
0: And then you go. Just kidding. Here I go. Let's light everything on fire.
1: Let's light everything on fire. Uh, I just—I uh, am a charismatic human that I can go in the ring and I can jerk around for 15 minutes and get away with it. But I don't know. I think it's like uh, guys that go see a, a, a dominatrix, maybe or something. Maybe that's maybe that's what I'm into. I don't know. Maybe I just like putting my body through torture. I—I I, don't—I don't know. This is how I was before I went to AEW, and then I calmed down a little bit there because there's people to say knock it the fuck off.
0: Who were the people saying to knock it the fuck off?
1: Well no one's telling John to knock it the fuck off.
0: This is a therapy session for me as well, by the way, because I feel like mirroring conversations that I have with John, I'm yeah, just having are. it with you. So same thing. I but I think people probably are to a degree. I am. <laughs> I'm certainly telling him to knock it the fuck off, but I don't know if anybody else is.
1: Most of my time in aw was in front of no crowds and the dark abyss of jacksonville florida at 3 a.m wrestling random indie dudes so there was a time they're like all right you can you can take it a little easy here but when i first came in there it was like pedal to the metal i had, had john's first match love that match uh, i loved it too it's just like i went crazy and then i wrestled omega a couple of matches and went crazy there and then by the time that did the cracker barrel match at all out, which I went crazy there. I was salting the top off the top rope onto the floor into nothing. And then by the time we got to November, I think it was full gear that year. I was done. My spine was messed up and they were like, I go, I don't know. I'm, I'm messed up to the doctor. And, uh, they said, all right, let's get an MRI. They go, yo, your spine is shaped like an S. Well, that's my fault. Uh, self-induced skull. <laughs> Guilty
0: as charged.
1: Yeah. But. No, I'm just like an uncaged animal. Uh, Really, no one can tell me what to do. And uh, that's it. I'm just wild. That's it.
0: (laughs) That's just the way that it goes.
1: Punk rock, baby. Let's go.
0: (laughs) Okay, I'm going to come back to that in a second. I want to go back To young you with the ADHD, we were actually just talking with my producers right before you jumped on the call. We were talking about ADHD and being diagnosed with it and like what all goes into that. So what was it like for you as a kid and having a doctor tell you you had one of the worst cases they've ever
1: seen? There was definitely something wrong in elementary school, teachers realized. And that's when ADD kind of first started becoming a thing. It's
0: a big buzzword. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I was on Ritalin my whole life. Ritalin didn't do shit uh, besides make me not want to eat anything all day and uh, just bizarre. So as soon as high school was over, I got, off, I got off the Ritalin for sure.
0: Could you like feel that though, like as a kid? Because I've, I've not been on Ritalin, but I feel like when you're a kid and you're trying to figure out like, wait, why do I feel so weird all of a sudden? Because does it, does it just bring you like way down?
1: It definitely brought me down for sure. I didn't like it at all. It, mostly because the way – it suppressed my appetite and whatnot, especially in high school and stuff. I was, you know, I was like 95 pounds, you know, as a kid. So as soon as high school was over, I got off of it. But ADD is more difficult than being a child with ADD um, because like most relationships I get into doesn't understand. They think you're, they say you're lazy or you don't want to do this and it causes depression. It causes a bunch of things. You know, sometimes I just don't want to do anything. And it's not because I don't want to do anything. It's because my ADD is telling me not to.
0: That's interesting because I feel like a lot of people assume that you hear like ADD or ADHD or like, oh my God, this person must just be bouncing off the walls all the time. Or yeah, like the organization, like their mind is just everywhere all the time. But there's the other side of it where you just want to check out completely, right?
1: Yeah, my organization skills are the worst. That's why my apartment right now is probably a mess and And that's why I work best on the road, I think I think that's why, like independence is like that's where I want to be because you know, I can go away for three weeks and not have to deal with shit. of course, sometimes i'm my bills are late.
0: I was just gonna say, "Are you brutal at paying your bills? You must be
1: brutal, yeah, brutal every month <laughs> uh, I know. I am absolutely brutal at paying my bills, but I could go away on the road for three weeks for a month and just like check out. I don't have to organize anything. The most I have to do is go to a laundromat and then throw my crumpled up clothes back into my suitcase. That is the, besides, it's just wrestling, wrestling, wrestling and travel. I can, I can, ha- I can handle that. That's why I, I wish, uh I don't know. It might be that and uh concussions. I don't, I don't know if I should say that, but... Just a combination of the the two is like...
0: Does that ever scare you, thinking about that?
1: It did, but now I know how to protect myself. Stuff happens. You get concussions. It's a contact sport. Uh, Everyone gets concussions. There is nobody exempt from concussions in wrestling. But yeah, no, it was scary, but now that I know how to protect myself, and I I teach a lot of younger guys coming up and girls, I say, listen, this is how you protect yourself in this situation you want to take this bump or do that. This is how you protect yourself. This is how you don't get a concussion. So even when someone does get a concussion, I know the signs and symptoms and know when it's serious enough that you have to go to the the hospital. So I'm very conscious on that. I'm very aware. I joke around about it sometimes, but this is not very good, but I do know the signs and symptoms and how to protect yourself and and, and be the best. Because a concussion, I had a concussion in 2012 that sent me to seizures. And kind of sidelined me for like months.
0: What what happened? Like how? What was like the
1: bump you took? I threw a drop kick on the floor, Pat Buck, I believe, at a PWS show, and I just didn't tuck my chin and smack my head on the hardwood floor. And I was out for a good like eight minutes. When I woke up, the EMTs were there. That's how bad it was. But it induced a whole panic disorder for years. Sometimes light sensitivity would cause a panic attack. That was a horrible concussion. I've had had a handful since, you know, but I know how to protect myself. I know the science. If I do get a concussion, I'm not going to be wrestling for a month or two. I've talked to John about this before. He's like, you know, if you get a concussion, you know, why not take off six months? Your brain is more important than this shit.
0: FanDuel has an all-new mobile gaming app. FanDuel Off. FanDuel Faceoff is where you compete in quick, fun games against other real people for real cash. It is all sorts of games that you're familiar with, like a home run derby, Wheel of Fortune, puzzle and strategy games with more on the way. Now, contests are action packed and last between two to five minutes so that you can play on your couch, waiting in line during a commercial break, wherever and on your schedule. Plus, you can practice for free anytime. Now, whether it be head-to-head, multiplayer, or larger tournaments, FanDuel FaceOff has something for you. Plus, in most contests, you're going to be matched against players of similar skill level so that you're never totally overmatched, even as a beginner. FaceOff is also tied to your FanDuel account and wallet, so you can easily use your daily fantasy funds or sportsbook winnings in the app. For me, I am a sucker forever and for always for a little Wheel of Fortune. I love me some Wheel of Fortune. So the fact that I can play this on my phone during my commercial breaks, during like, you know, ads that pop up during uh, all of our streaming products and whatnot. This is what I'm doing in my free time. 100%. It just got a huge upgrade. I was playing like boring games before and now I'm in it. Um, Yeah, it's amazing. It's connected to my existing FanDuel fantasy and sportsbook accounts so you guys can keep some tabs on me over there so visit fanduel.com slash sessions face off to download the fanduel face off app and get in the game so just visit fanduel.com slash sessions face off and location restrictions apply void where prohibited see www.fanduel.com slash face off terms for terms and conditions you know, you do such crazy shit all the time—from lighting things on fire to these big stunts, um, to crazy bumps. What's like the psychology that you kind of hang your hat on with death matches? Now, I am not the death match aficionado. I'm like death match adjacent. I like learn stuff through osmosis, through John, through what you guys do. Um, but it seems like maybe the death match scene has changed quite a bit over the years. What's your like take on that?
1: People that don't know me on the internet or try to criticize me there's always a few things they say. One of them is uh, I was untrained, which basically it started off true, but I, I went to many wrestling schools. The other is I'm a death match goofball. I've only done about seven or eight death matches or what you would call death matches that had elements of deathmatch in my career. So I've had close to a thousand matches. Now I've been wrestling for 18 years, but it's changed a lot, but I think it's, it's gotten crazier to be honest because, uh, Guys are trying to up the ante, I think. But also at the same time, uh, referees and promoters that promote death are more trained to death matches and ways to make them safe. Like back in the day in CCW in the early 2000s, no referee was kicking out pieces, large chunks of glass that could potentially stab you when you're taking a bump. Plus, guys know how to take care of themselves after a death match. Still, it is, it is wild. So do you think it's gotten better? It's gotten better in some aspects and gotten worse in others because uh high risk high reward is very much a thing uh because when I do a death match I'm I'm trying to go crazy uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to bleed and I'm trying to make moments that those fans you know remember for a while and I, and I have um but some ways it's gotten better some ways it's gotten worse the wrestling in the death match is Have gotten a lot better. The wrestlers have gotten a lot better. Back in the day, a lot of deathmatch wrestling was just like this all right, pick up something, smash, smash, you know, bleed. Now it's at least there's a a good psychology to deathmatch wrestling, and uh, the athletes are a lot better than they were. But wrestlers have to really take care of themselves if they want to live that lifestyle because it could lead to addiction and a lot of other things. And we've seen that in that culture of deathmatch wrestling, a lot of people getting. Addicted to stuff, so.
0: And you just mean because their bodies are so much more beat up that they're kind of relying on different things afterwards?
1: Yeah, for sure. You know, things evolve, you know, but uh, it's always been a problem, an issue in death match wrestling. And it still exists. But, uh, you know, I think the guys are more knowledgeable and now they take care of themselves a little bit more than they did back in the day.
0: It's, it's really always kind of interesting to me, like watching that shift happen, um, you know, even from like my time in WWE from when I started to, to when I wrapped up there. And you see so many more people that aren't drinking, that aren't out hanging out late at night, like they're up early in the morning, they want to go to the coffee shops, they're trying to get in the gym, like everyone's taking better care of themselves after watching you know, what the people before them have gone through and, and all of that, but as it still continues to happen, even in other markets, like in death match wrestling, I guess, as people start to clean up their acts a little bit. Um, but you mentioned it a second ago about people saying that you, um, are a goofball death match guy or whatever. I don't even know. Do we want to talk about Jim Cornette? Are we going to talk about him at all? Do we even breathe his name? Do we care? Is he just saying shit to say shit? I don't honestly, I don't keep my finger on the pulse of it enough. Sometimes I just see the crazy shit. I'm like, this is nuts. It's so outlandish.
1: Now he's kind of, you know, he knows his rhythm. He knows what gets, gets listeners. You know, not only is he making money from the amount of people who listen to his podcasts and advertisers, but they upload like eight YouTube clips a day. They're making the money from that. Uh so he knows what gets the listeners and makes the money because he's not leaving his house. He's like a, I don't know what they call that, a gorph or something.
0: Oh, is he actually?
1: Yeah, he don't like to leave. I think he likes to go to supermarket and that's it.
0: Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah,
1: he won't do appearances anymore or anything. This is all he has, his podcast. He's gonna this is how he's gonna live out the rest of his life, which might be two years, might be ten years. Who knows? Because evil never dies. We all know that. But I just think he's outlandish. She's crazy. Sometimes I listen to him because I, I do find it entertaining. You know, I, I am a fan of the – as much as I like to pile up those fans and say, I'm trying to kill the business. You know, I, I love the, the olden days and the, the stories from back then and all the craziness. And I I, I do appreciate some of his insight, but recently in the last two years, he's gone off the chain. I think he called your husband the worst wrestler of all time or something, which is just crazy.
0: I did. I I know. And it is crazy. And I definitely like, you know, anytime I get more mad if I see someone talk shit about my husband than if I see someone talk shit about me. I'm like, excuse the fuck you. What? Yeah, it drives me nuts.
1: I've been attacked by his fans. His fans are the worst part of his culture because they, they take everything he says gospel.
0: Like what is his demo? Like who are his fans? Like what are, who, who is like the general kind of person that comes at you from like the Jim Cornette army?
1: I would say they're maybe mid thirties to early fifties is like his demographic. And, uh, last week in LA some guy came to the show and he came to the show just for the sole intention to troll me. And I went up to him, he had a sign that says, Janella fears Brian last. So I went up to him. I just ripped the sign out of his hand and he, he had a meltdown, uh, you know, and then that kind of, kind of woke. It's kind of a wake up call for me because saying these people have nothing to lose. Some of these people. And this is like their, this is like their religion. This is their religion. Like Jim Cornette is the 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 pastor of the church and they're gonna drink his Kool-Aid. And I think sometimes, you know, I I don't know. I might go out Dimebag Daryl style, some deranged fan comes in and, 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 and kills me because they believe every word he says and that I'm actually ruining the business they love.
0: That's actually scary because the the world is nuts right now that you have to like legitimately, as much as you can like fuck around and say something like that. We are in this world where everyone is like a little bit cuckoo bananas right now. Do you think about that, like legit?
1: Yeah, but someone brought it up to me like last year. They're like, "What?" They're like, "Maybe you should calm down a little bit." Some of these people are actually crazy. Like they're sending Facebook messages to my mom, just sending me just the most deranged, fucked up messages on my personal Facebook, on my mom's Facebook, family members, Jim Cornette fans, and you have to realize that so these people are a little bit crazy. But now everywhere I go, there's always at least one fan that is there for the sole intention of heckling me. I feel like we need to get you
0: some like backup security. Can we invest in some security?
1: Yes, yes. I, I, I'll, I'll put it in the budget with Brett. But security will probably be the, guy, the same guy who makes the deathmatch spider barbed wire net.
0: We'll take it. Listen, an extra body is an extra body.
1: Yeah, it's just... Uh, Yeah, it's things have gotten a little bit crazier because I do rile these people up. They think they think I'm thin-skinned, but by the abuse I get on the internet, you can't be thin-skinned in that scenario. Because I would be, I'd wash my hands of the wrestling business long ago if I was anyone else. But people come up to me and they say, "Oh, listen, I was a Jim Cornette fan, but then I came to a GCW show and I saw you, and I saw the way you connected with the audience, and I I seen how hard you worked." And it changed my perception on you. But my perception on you was always that you were like 300 pounds or you were some kind of crackhead wrestler. But that's these echo chambers they create. They make themselves feel better. They don't, some of these people don't even know what I look like or they they never see me ever. They just listen to the words of Cornette that I, he likes to say I'm some kind of drug addict, that I'm, that I'm 300 pounds, that I'm this, that I'm that. So these people, this is what they speculate that I am. And then they meet me and they're like, wait a second. This is this is not what you're b- b- betrayed as.
0: I mean, I guess that's just true too. It's like so many people... Whatever you're listening, like whether it's wrestling or not, but you like hear a certain amount of information. If people people don't want to take that next step to do their own research, that they just listen to the gospel of whoever spewing out whatever information. And um, yeah, that's a fucking slippery slope if I've ever seen one. Yikes.
1: Yeah, and it's crazy because when you look at it, how ridiculous wrestling is, it's half naked dudes wrestling each other. Yeah, it's all calm it's like, down
0: and just enjoy it for what it is. Yeah, you know, it's
1: just. You know, I I said the other day, once, you know, you got past the attitude error, that was the tip of the iceberg. It was so crazy and outlandish. So where do you go after that? You know, you have to treat this as entertainment. You can't, you, there's no way you can, Vince Russo, basically, you know, as much as I loved it as a, as a teenager, Vince Russo, ECW, all this responsible for the death of the business, as they like to say, which is. The business is not dead. Along with mixed martial arts came around and people gravitate towards that. And the attitude are was just so ridiculous and so outlandish. People were giving birth, 80-year-old women giving birth to- <laughs> To a hand. Hands, yeah. <laughs> uh Undertaker trying to murder people in Steve Austin and funeral homes. Once you reach that, to, you can't go back to that this is a real sport. You have to treat it as entertainment. And that's my view on it. And- my view is, and and my view on myself is to get as much eyes and people saying my name as possible. So I'm going to keep on going on Twitter and I'm going to keep on fighting with these idiots. And, uh, you know, I'm sure a couple headlines.
0: Someone's got to do it, right? Go out there and, yeah, battle these
1: goons. Fuck. I'm one of the only people that actually, you know, wastes their time.
0: Well, it's true, though, but you put your neck on the line for other people as well. It's not that you're just going to bat for yourself. I mean, you really stick your neck out for your own friends as well. Um, I know that's something you were actually just recently talking about too, is like not a lot of people want to do that, but you are in a position where you do do that. What is like the
1: motivation behind that? Enough is enough. I just think the professional wrestling as a whole is ridiculous. We all love it. You know, some people get into it and they, they decide we want to get into this wacky profession and live out our dreams like me, like our husband. And then there's other people who say, I want to do this, but then don't have the, the heart to do it. Either they go to wrestling school and they, they, they fail out in the first week or, you know, they just never even attempt it anyway. And they're living these very normal lives and they want to, they see someone like me that resembles them. I'm not saying I, I resemble them. I, I'm, i'm not as jacked as people i
0: think you're pretty jacked i'm gonna say you're pretty jacked i'm gonna go on record here and say you're pretty jacked <laughs> you know anyways that's just my perspective from here carry on
1: especially like in aw <laughs> when i was like i was going through that COVID era where I, I was like wow this is this is terrible you know i getting out of shape and and, and drinking a lot and then that, looking at tv and then not even caring anymore
0: that's a weird spot to be in, right? Like when you see yourself back and you're just like, whatever, fucking, I've, I've been there before. I've been there when I was like not happy with what I was doing and I'd see myself on camera and I'm like, what the fuck? Like I just looked like shit. My outfits were bad. Like I just felt like I was like, I don't know, throwing shit against the wall. But you can see like that decline and like trying to pull yourself out of that. It's, it's a weird spot to be in for
1: sure. Now I look at myself even more back then. I go, what the hell was I thinking? You know, my fashion choices outside of the ring were fine. My fashion choices in the ring, plus the way I looked, how out of shape I was and how I just looked on TV. I I wouldn't go back now and watch any of that.
0: I have such a bad feeling, but when you're in it, you're in it. And it's, you know, what are you going to do?
1: Lesson learned. If I, if uh, I can, I can watch everything from my, from my all in match with Adam Page to the second match with Kenny Omega that to me, that is my AW career. After that, I don't, I don't know. I came back for a couple, <laughs> that's it, a couple of good ones after that. But besides that, it was a watch. People said uh, a couple of weeks ago, they go, uh, I'm, "I'm traveling the world, having a good time, making money." And someone goes, "Traveling the world? You mean driving to, across country to gymnasiums?" And then someone comment underneath that on Twitter, they said, "He was just in Belgium and Paris last week, and now he's in Australia this week. Like, what are you talking about?" They're like, well, I don't see anything on Google about him being Australia. It's like, oh my God, these people, it's the narratives. It's just like yes. these false narratives. They're just yeah. trying to, every time someone comes out with something to disclaim what they say, they have to make up a whole new narrative or twist it. It's just now it's just a part of daily life for me. And uh a lot of the GCW people, you know, it's getting there too for them that it's the same, the same stuff.
0: Yeah. You just kind of want to like log off. It's nice to just like take it off your phone for a little bit and like not even fucking see it because it's a lot. Even when you can kind of like laugh at it and whatever, there's still times that like either someone does like strike a chord with you or hits on a nerve, something like that. Like no matter how thick your skin is, that stuff will still get to you.
1: Luckily, I have friends and Facebook groups and whatnot that we could Share these tweets with each other and laugh about them. The support system, you know. Uh, but uh, I feel like I'm in like the movie The Warriors. We're a gang, but now there's all these other internet subculture gangs that are attacking me. There's the cornet fans, then there's the teenagers with the anime, the anime pictures coming after me, and then it's this group and what that group. What about the fanfic
0: group? Do you get lumped into a lot of fanfic? Is that what you call it? Is it fanfic? Am I saying that right? Am I old as
1: fuck? <laughs> Is that the ones that write like the the fantasies?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I think I got I, I think I got heat. I I got canceled by that that subculture of uh, the internet because I found my fanfics and during COVID I read them over Instagram Live and apparently that's a big no no.
0: What? Why?
1: I'm not supposed to see it and I'm not supposed to read it out. We read them out on Instagram Live, so what the there was kind of like a, a cancellation in that department for <laughs> Joey Janella. So. There's probably none of those anymore. <laughs> what?
0: <laughs> That's so weird. You think they would be clamoring for you to read it out loud, but you, fu- you crossed the line.
1: Some of them actually changed everything for my name. They changed my name. They just inserted Adam Page's name. <laughs> so, I got, so I got wiped out off the fanfic, That's so they just so replaced weird. me with Adam Page. Said he's the... <laughs> He's the better one. Joey <laughs> Janelle is the asshole. Let's never write about him again. Oh,
0: my God. Wow. That's so funny. Interesting. Uh, the nuances and other subcultures. Who knew? I had not a clue. Um, talk to me about Sunny Kiss because I loved when you guys were tagging together, getting into your feud together. What, what all happened there? and what, was, um, what started you guys working together? Because it was awesome.
1: Uh, Cody. I think he was just throwing shit at a wall. Uh, there was a big show coming up in Jersey at the Prudential Center. And, uh, that was the one that got canceled due to COVID. They're like, what do we do with Joey and Sunny Kiss? It's a hometown gig for them. Let's just team them up. So that show got canceled. And eventually in COVID, I think Cody was just like, let's, let's roll with it. So I said, oh, I got this idea for these vignettes. Let's see these vignettes that they're like 1980s, like Miami Vice. But the dynamic is so different because I'm the, the cis white male and sunny Kiss is the flamboyant representative of the LGBT community. And I wanted to tell a story where I was down on my luck that I did these matches with Moxie. I did these matches with Omega and they were world renowned. Everyone was talking about them. And then COVID happened and I was in shambles. Sonny Kiss is like, oh, I'm from Jersey. You're from Jersey. Let's, let's get back on our feet together, you know? So Cody, out of his own pocket, paid for these vignettes that took like... It took like seriously, like 15 hours to film. They showed it to Tony. Tony hated it. He hated these promos, thought they were phony, fake. He, he hates it. He hates the invisible camera. He hates the cinematic stuff, which they've done a lot more, but maybe it was just because it was me and he knew I was actually going to get over this time. But, <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, everyone loved it and we got it on TV, uh, like a certain, like kind of edited down version of, what we put out and still it would just got people were talking about it you know all over it was trending on on twitter this video eric bischoff was he he watched it he said that was one of the greatest promos i've ever seen in my life he said that this was really awesome but uh, that wasn't in the the intentions that tony had with us so he didn't like the video and from there we kind of just like You know, we we wrestled Brody and Cole Cabana, and I think that was one of Brody's first matches on TV. We did that, and we had that, and that was it. Uh, We did something with Chris Jericho and J.K. We had like a no-disqualification match that was pretty all right, but for those times, pretty all right.
0: Oh, that's a bummer. That's such a bummer. I mean, I as soon as I saw the pairing of you two, I was like, oh, my God, I love this dynamic. I mean, as everybody else obviously felt the same way. That's too bad that it kind of fell between the cracks like that. Do you let stuff like that linger when you feel like it was a great opportunity that you weren't able to follow through on?
1: I don't regret anything about my AW run. The things I regret are not getting an action figure. If we did a a little promo package like that every other week or every week and uh, built that up, I'm sure it would have been, our careers would have been a lot different at this point. Um, But it's just a, when I felt like it was time, I said, listen, this is time for, Tony said, listen, we got to, we want to bring you back to TV. So we had to figure out a way to get out of this Sonny kiss tag. So Cody, let me create this whole storyline where I broke up with Sonny and they let me, I would just go to QT or Cody or whatever. And really dark is not Tony's priority. It's really just to, to pad the records for, for storyline purposes. So I would just go to Cody or I would go to QT and I'd say, all right, this is what we're doing this week. This is what I'm doing this week. And you go, okay. And I, I did that. And there was a couple of weeks where they did me out to TV. So it went on way too long, but the payoff was good with me and Sonny. And unfortunately I beat Sonny in that last match because the plans were to bring me and Kayla back to uh, TV. So Tony was like, all right, you go up and that's it. We'll bring you back to TV. But the situation's happen, And, uh, Who knows what would have happened? There was times in my AEW run where I was like, listen, during COVID, I said, all right, I can't take this anymore. There's no fans. I'm resting at three o'clock in the morning. And then I also I have to deal with all these idiots on the Internet who I'm under the spotlight right now. And uh, it's not worth the mental health issues. It's not worth the just going on the Internet and just seeing your name just getting dragged through the mud every day. I would go to Brett." Lauderdale, who's a promoter GCW owner, and John Carlo, Didimo, who I'm in the group chat with. Basically, that's how the gears rolled and turned in GCW. He's now a producer at AEW. I go, I'm quitting today. And they would go, What are you doing? Don't quit. I said, I'm quitting. I'm done with this. I said, they said, but you're getting a paycheck every two weeks. There's people out of work right now that are homeless, that can't feed themselves because COVID. And I said, nah, I don't care. I'm gonna go, I'll go Uber Eats or I'll go, I'll go do this or do that. And uh, they're like, no, 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 just, just wait it out, wait it out till the contract ends. I said, okay, okay. So then I waited out, waited out. And, uh, and then there was a time that as uh, soon as COVID was over, I got motivated again, decided to get back into shape, change my look. But there was a time where I thought like things were going to go a different way after me and Sonny broke up. And I was obviously working hard and my matches were. Even though my matches were mostly only on dark, people were still, still getting a, a good amount of buzz, me and Sonny Kiss on, the, on uh, Twitter and stuff. So I thought my career was going to go a different way. And I told Sean Ross Sapp in September that I think I'm going to get renewed and we're just going to go on you know, and, and see what happens. From there to January, I don't know what happened.
0: Football fans, check out the three and out podcast with John Middlecoff only on the volume podcast network. John brings his unique perspective as an ex-NFL scout to the volume to break down all the news around the NFL and college football. Whether you're looking for game predictions, coaching searches, the ins and outs of the NFL front office, even an occasional golf tip, John has you covered. Download three and out with John Middlecoff only on the volume podcast network. Is there anything that you would have done differently when it comes to like, I guess, like playing the political game of like being that person that's always in Tony's ear or pitching different ideas or whatever. Like do you, do you um, reflect on it in that way at all?
1: I'm not a political guy. Things were very, you know, things there. Kind of the opposite of WWE. That's why guys were coming over and they were like, wow, this is great. The politics here. There's no politics. Everyone's just friends and they hang out. But, you know, the bigger you get, the wave changes there and things change. And, uh, as the world turns, you know, things are not like they were when I first started there. That's the thing, you know, uh, for someone like me, who's just this indie guy who likes to go on Twitter and, uh, battle with fans with three followers on a daily basis and do stupid shit like light my foot on fire <laughs> and just a complete madman to someone like on the inside. You know, I might not be worth that investment anymore. But who knows? One day uh we can uh we can revisit it and see if it if it works out.
0: Yeah, yeah. Certainly. Well I mean I I don't you know I there's obviously plenty of value there. So I, I wouldn't say that, I think. Um, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate that it went that way. But on the other side of things, it's like you are you. Yeah, you were just in Paris in Belgium in Australia in Montreal and being able to travel all over the world and having the matches that you want to have and doing the things that you want to do. Um, what about the acting side of things? Because I did see the clip from that music video that you did and it was quite compelling. How do we feel about the acting side of things?
1: You know what? I've been thinking about it a lot more and more. That was just an opportunity. I knew Chris Webby for a while. Uh, I did one of his videos through Emilio Sparks friend, John Sparks. They came out with an album called the Sparks Foundation, whatever compilation. A lot of sparks. Yeah, a lot of sparks. It was like a, a rap mixtape where they took old, uh, wrestling entrance themes and mixed them into, uh, to, uh, rap songs with a lot of big time rappers on their end. John Sparks was like, listen, you want to come be in this video with Chris Webby and Taz River? I said, okay. So we did that. I met him. And then what is it? That was 2015, I 2014, 2015. So I did that. Okay. So they said I needed some guy who, you know, would get down in this video in 2022. And I was the guy and, uh, kind of just crushed it. And, uh, it was, it was great. It was great fun. And, uh, once I get my mindset on something and I work hard towards it, I can probably do something with some acting. And uh, I was going to move to L.A. in September, but it's smack in be- my move out date in Orlando smack between uh, a Japanese tour and a tour of England. <laughs> it's just not going to work out at this moment.
0: Why don't you just sign like a little tiny extension? Can you do like a little like half extension on your place in Orlando and then head out west?
1: Yeah, that's what I'm working on right now, so – I think, I think I want to move to L.A. I know it's expensive, but it's worth it because uh, everyone says, listen, you can not only do the acting, you can do the stunt work.
0: I've often wondered why more wrestlers don't get into doing stunt
1: work. But that's what the money is. And I could just use, they said you could just use 30 clips of you falling yeah. through chairs off buildings and the nonsense you do. And they would be like, all right, hell yeah, we need a, a, a long hair guy to get hit by a car or light himself on fire and uh throw himself off a building so so i've always been doing stuff like that and uh my friend jim mckenzie he's like a he's a very he's a pretty big deal artist right now but he does everything he's he's very he was inclined in anything he touched turned to gold he can edit videos or direct music videos or make statues or make paintings or just like pick up a guitar and hear a song uh but he would do like little we would do like we get a video he'd get a video opportunity to film like a music video for a rapper and then say all right i need my friends to play these parts and now he's in la and uh he's directing all these things and uh he's like yeah he's like i need you for these projects now so i have that now i the music videos and uh you know potentially stunt work so i think i'd be pretty good in la on top of the wrestling, too. And I get to hang out at the Rainbow Room. Want, so. <laughs> yes. It always <laughs> works, too. So.
0: Great spot to hang out in. That's That's for yes. damn sure. Good food, too, actually. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Pretty decent food if the service is all right.
0: It would just be nice, too, I think, to like there's definitely something to changing up the scenery, going somewhere new, kind of, you know, just invigorating uh, the next chapter in your life, I guess.
1: Yeah, I've been in Orlando for three years for absolutely no fucking reason. Most people have to move here because they, ha- they get a job at the WWE and, uh, you know, they have to go to a performance center every day. I moved here because an ex-girlfriend and within three months it did not work out. Instead of going back to Jersey, I just got I'm stuck here now. But the thing is, my apartment is very expensive. And uh, it's basically just at this point, just a dirty storage unit full of action figures. I'm never here. I'm never home. Uh, I just come here maybe twice a month just to take a shower and sleep a couple of days. And then I go back on the road. So at this point, i would more inclined not to pay rent anywhere, throw all my toys in a storage unit. That's it. Be it lived a gypsy life.
0: I remember John was kind of like that when we first got together, he had his apartment in Vegas. And I remember when I like first flew out there to like visit him, I was like, the fuck is this? (laughs) I was like, there was nothing there because he didn't have to be there. He lived on the road pretty much all the time. So there was no need to like move into every little corner, every nook and cranny of the apartment. Um, But yeah, save some money. Why
1: not? Yeah, you made me look around my apartment I'm like, wow, this place is a fucking wreck.
0: What is it like when you bring, um, a date back there?
1: Oh, very rare. Very rare <laughs> these days. That's yeah, so like, <laughs> it's so messy right now. Like I have shit everywhere. Like it's like, got toys, got, got sweatshirts, kites. Oh my God. <laughs> gremlins, flags, just random boxes of, of nonsense oh all over gosh. the place.
0: I love it. That Bam Bam Bigelow picture up at the top is kind of cool.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a nice little painting there. Dave Cole did that one and sent it to me because I'm from that area. Um But the object is keep the bedroom nice and somewhat clean. Don't look in my fucking closet because I have ADD so severe that I can't hang on my clothes. So it's just a pile of clothes in the closet. And then you just dim the lights of the living room and the kitchen so they can't see the mess they're walking through. You guide them through and then you walk them right to the nice candle lit bedroom. And that's that's how it is.
0: Whatever gets a job done to set a little romance and no one has to walk in there with, um, with a UV light. It's fine. Everyone be cool. No, no,
1: no, no, no UV lights. Please, please walk in the bathroom with your own description Yeah,
0: as well. yeah. Tread lightly, please, and thank you. Uh, I love it. Well, Joey, I'm so glad I got to have you on here. We got to catch up, hang out, learn a little bit more about you. Finally. I know. Finally. Um, I'm super excited for you, though. I mean, you're still – you're traveling the world. You're doing your thing. You're doing everything on your own terms, and I think this L.A. move is going to be
1: cool as all hell. But it depends because I have so much stuff coming up in Japan and stuff now that I don't know where that – is going right now
0: that's a good place to spend some time too
1: yeah i'm going to be in japan every couple months so uh that's that that was my goal getting into wrestling so i get to live that dream and then we'll see you know wherever the road takes me i'm not i'm not in a rush i'm only 33
0: mid 30s is the sweet spot 100 percent. i feel like i talk about this on here all the time i feel like once you get those like once you're in that like good mid 30s spot is when like shit is firing on all cylinders it's great
1: I haven't had this much fun in my whole life. So having fun, traveling, you know, not cleaning my apartment.
0: Well, cheers to having fun and doing the shit that you like to do. Respect.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. Thanks, sir. Thanks for having me and stuff.
0: Yeah, definitely. Thank you to Joey Janela for hanging out with me, uh, showing me his uh, inside of his apartment, I guess, uh, getting to see his action figures looking mysteriously jacked. I really meant that. It was not bullshitting when I was like, what's going on over here? This body guy just looking shredded. Kudos. Don't we all just want to be a little more shredded? God, I've been dropping the ball on that. I need to get my shit together. It's just, you know, it's hard to stay on top of everything. Ugh. 10,000 steps a day, hitting the gym, eating right it's it's a tall order sometimes i've i've slipped but we're working on it we're all a work in progress we're all just a work in progress all right guys thank you for hanging out with me listening to another episode of the sessions you guys rule joey Janella rules um and you guys can see this on youtube if you want to see us hanging out and you want to see how jacked joey looks during this interview it's all up on youtube just search my name it'll all be there Hit the subscribe button while you're there too, you know? Hit the notifications. Know when it's up. Get your eyes on the product. How? Alright guys, I'll see you next time. This has been The Sessions.